Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yes, it's very much the early drive show with uh, Peter Vlahos. The early, early drive show, even though these days a lot of people sometimes head home sort of mid-afternoon if they start early. If you're one of those, uh, welcome on board uh, as a one-off because of the AFL finals commencing tonight and it'll be broadcast right across the SEN Western Australian Network. Gets underway straight after Hayes and Mato, our coverage from 5 o'clock. Uh, the drive show with Peter Vlahos uh, just preceding Hayes and Mato between now and 3 o'clock. Plenty to get through. I'll be involved with Jimmy Williams and Steve Malaxis to broadcast a very important WAFL game down in Mandra on Sunday. The winner takes all. The winner takes the spoils because they will play in the Waffle Finals. I spoke to Jeff Valentine, the Peel Thunder coach, uh, earlier this week, and I'll speak to Adam Pickering shortly. Also, I'll speak to Troy Kirkham, who's uh, involved with the West Australian Football Commission regarding uh, community football and youth development, uh, regarding some of the rules and how junior football is conducted this uh, time around because I went down to a game uh, on the weekend and I was surprised by the protocol that now is required when you're a parent, when you're a spectator, or when you're not directly involved with a junior footy club. But we'll talk to Troy about that a bit later on. And also we'll keep you right up to date with all the AFL action as well. But uh, firstly, a bit of a sports update for Tyre Power. Buy three and get one free on selected Kumo passenger car and SUV tyres at Tyre Power, let's go to the tennis, where Nick Kyrgios' girlfriend, Costine Hatsi, and the rest of his team have been advised to walk out on the tennis star during his matches after his day of drama at the US Open, and that's been called on by tennis commentators. Now, he's through to the third round. He beat world number 50 Benjamin Bonzi of France in four sets, but he was repeatedly berating the people sitting in his courtside players' box as he raged at them for what he clearly believes was a lack of cheering and support, as he has made a habit of doing this. He was also involved in a bizarre moment where he complained to the chair umpire about breathing in marijuana smoke that was coming from the crowd. Here he is, Nick Kyrgios, through to the third round of the US Open. You know, I wasn't going out there expecting him to not be good or something, but his level was really, really good. Um... I was really fortunate to get through in four sets. I was down four all, love 40 in the fourth, and I played some really low percentage tennis to get out of that game. Um, Yeah, I'm just really, it was one of those matches where you kind of survive. Um, And I'm relatively happy with my form. It's not like I played bad or anything. You know, I probably didn't return as well as I would have liked, but it's just so stressful now because every match I play, I'm I'm kind of expecting to play so good and such a clean performance is kind of not realistic in a sport like this where you're just playing day in, day out, um, travelling. So, you know, I've got to probably lower the expectation of expecting to play like a Wimbledon final 
every time. You know, there's so many capable players who can play. So got to be a bit nicer to myself, I think, and, you know, just lower the expectations a bit. Yes, you've got to be nice to yourself and maybe nice uh, to the people that uh, are in your players' box. Well, Serena Williams is the other big story. The American tennis icon pulled off a major upset this morning. She beat number two, Annette Contivate, in a thrilling second-round encounter at Flushing Meadows. She will next face Australia's Isla Tomlanovic, who's through, following her epic 7-6-2-6-6-2 win. Here's Serena. <laughs> The legend lives on. 7-6-2-6-6-2. Simply incredible. <laughs> you are taking your time evolving away from tennis. Yeah. What do you say about that? Um, you know, it's, it's no rush here. I'm just, uh, I'm loving this crowd and, um... So um, I, there's still a little left in me. We'll see the neck. We'll see. Yes, there's still a bit left in her. And uh, she takes on, as I mentioned, the Aussie Isla Tomlanovic in the third round. In uh, some cricket news, Australia's unveiled its 15-player squad for next month's T20 World Cup campaign with the Hobart Hurricanes batter and former Claremont Netherlands player uh, Tim David earning a long-awaited national call-up. He's the only change. He replaces Queensland spinner Mitchell Swepson. So it's Aaron Finch captain, Ashton Agar, Pat Cummings, Tim David, Josh Hazelwood, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, who's just overcoming an injury at the moment, Glenn Maxwell, Kane Richardson, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, Marcus Stoinis and Matthew Wade. I'll have a full wrap on AFL action a bit later on in the program, including a bit more of a preview to the big game on Saturday between Fremantle and the Western Bulldogs. But in relation to tonight's game, uh, Dustin Martin is going to be certainly front and centre. Uh, Damien Hardwick, the coach of Richmond, said even if he's 80% fit, he'll play and he'll cause some damage, hopefully, uh, on the Brisbane Lions. But uh, he is looming as a key cog in this year's trade period as well, Dustin Martin. Martin has two years to run on a contract with Richmond worth over a million dollars. But there has been constant speculation throughout the year that the 31-year-old is weighing up a potential move interstate at season's end. And Melbourne is confident players haven't been exposed to illness after their premiership coach, Simon Goodwood, was laid low by gastro on the eve of the team's qualifying final against Sydney tomorrow. We're going to take a break, come back with the first of our feature interviews on the other side of the break. This is the Early Early Drive Show with Pete of Lajos, thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre. Welcome back to Drive with Peter Vlahos. And it's all brought to you thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you get the right tool from the start. Our first feature interview is with Troy Kirkham. Now, he's the Executive Manager of Youth, Community and Game Development at the WA Footy Commission. You may have heard me talking last night with Kim Hagdorn on the program about my experience going to a junior footy game on Sunday. And I saw an under-14s, and it was Mount Lawley Inglewood uh, Junior Footy Club taking on Manning in a second semi-final. Good game of footy. It was played in the right spirit, nice and competitive, and it was at Ernest Johnson. And I said to my brother at three-quarter time, Arthur, let's go and see what the coach has to say, because we're used to doing that at the WAFL. 
and then I was told you're not allowed to do that. So I thought we'd explore it a bit further in relation to the pros and cons, what's allowed, what's not allowed. If you, like me, are going down to see junior football and you're not a regular, that is a parent that goes in week in, week out. Troy, thanks for your time on the program. No, thanks for having us, Peter. When did that rule come in that you're really not allowed to go and listen to what the coach has to say and be part of the huddle, which is encouraged, as we know, at WAFL level? Yeah, so look, from a junior footy point of view, that one, that rule comes in during finals periods and it's, it's been in place for a number of years now and it's largely been driven by the coaches themselves. One of the things that we find is that you get quite a few mums and dads from time to time that'll go out and yeah, speak to their own child or speak to the, a group of kids and, and almost counter counteract the, the discussion or the direction that's been given by coaches. So coaches have asked... Uh, asked the footy commission to put a, ro- a rule in place that just looks at, particularly during finals, when it's a little bit more intense and there's uh, a little bit more at stake, um, that they basically just keep the parents away, let the coaches do the coaching, let the parents do the spectating. And from that point of view, it, it really helps with that game day environment and supports the volunteer coaches that we have in place. So, Troy, you're saying it's only in place during finals or also home and away, depending on what the coach no. requests? No, it's, it's generally only in finals. So home and away, no issue at all. Uh, but in finals, one of the things the coaches have sort of asked for over the, over the journey is that we just keep the parents away a little bit. It allows them to coach. It allows them to deliver the right message that they want to deliver to their players. Uh, and it creates that... It just continues to create that positive game day environment. Not everyone's going to agree with it, Peter. And then and people like yourself that have sort of come through footy over a number of years sort of go, well, why is that in play? But what it is, it just helps with those environments. It helps with the whole experience and it helps support the coaches there that are generally volunteers themselves and are, and are putting their hand up to, to coach these kids. And the other thing that I noticed, naturally, you have the, uh, the bench there where the players, the interchange bench, and you've got the coaches there and the person who's doing the stats and holds the ball aboard. They're all roped off and protected from anybody entering that region. Uh, that, no doubt, has been in place for obvious reasons for a number of times. Yeah, absolutely. And, and similarly, it helps create the positive game day environments. It helps keep the spectators in the spectator area. It has a defined area for the coaches and the coaching box uh, and the people that are allowed in there. And, and generally, we only sort of have the coaches, uh, the, the head coach, the, the assistant coach, maybe the runner and a first aid person and the team manager are allowed in there. And that, that just helps support the overall volunteers and make sure that we're not getting parents in there that are either not passing on the right messages or creating environments that aren't the, aren't the sort of the environment that we want junior footy to be all about. Now, the other thing I picked up, and I went and saw a game earlier in the year as well, again, just watching the nephew play, is that I was told that the games are played for eight points. That is certainly in the 14s and the 15s, in the older yeah. age group where all of a sudden competition points are put in place and you play finals. Is that true? It, they are eight-point games? Yeah. So so what we do, so there's four points for a win and a loss, so it's similar to any other normal game of footy, I suppose. But through our uh, all of our age groups, particularly those that are in youth, we also have an E-point attributed. So the E-point or an environment point creates an opportunity for teams that uh, are creating the right environment, have the right behaviour on the field, so there's no red or yellow cards, etc., and they get four E-points as well. So if you win the game, 
plus you have the right environment and you have um, no red or yellow cards, no one sent off, those type of things. There's no abusive umpires. Um, and then you so you get those four other additional points attributed. On the flip side, if you also lose the game, but you create the right environment as well, what that does is it is allows you to earn four points as well. So ultimately, what it does is it puts the environment that you're creating as a team and as a club at the same level as a win or loss. And we find that what that does is this has been a real game changer in the way that we deliver junior football in WA. Uh, and it's sort of led the nation a little bit in terms of our approach to game environments. And a lot of other states are now picking up a similar similar type of concept around the E-point to, to really drive positive environments and make sure that the environment and the experience that we're putting out there for our kids is the best it possibly can be. And we know if we create the right environment, the right experience, then we'll get kids coming back to the game year after year. So is it the umpires who oversee the E-points and they make the judgment at the end of the game depending on what happens during the course of that game? Yeah, so they stay right on their team sheet. So if there's abuse from the coach's box or there's a red or yellow card, they'll note that on the team sheet. And it's not a young umpire's decision whether E-points get awarded or lost. It's the decision of the administrators of the competition. So from that point of view, we're not asking a 13 or 14-year-old junior umpire that's really learning and developing. We're not asking them to make that final call. What we're saying is you just note the experience and the environment on your team sheet that you put in. Uh, and then from there, we'll make the determination over the e-points. And, and clubs can have the discussion around that as well uh, with each of the administrators. But overall, we found it to be a really positive way of driving really solid, strong environments at, at junior footy games. So those issues that were brought up earlier that have been implemented in junior footy, Troy, does that mean before these areas were implemented that it was a bit out of control at community footy level from a discipline point of view? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it was out of control, Peter. I think what this does is it really shifts the focus on it's not always about win and loss. It's about creating the right environment. We want as many kids playing community footy and community sport as we possibly can be. So from that point of view, what this does is this just ensures that it's the right environment and the right experience for the kids. So I don't think it's right to say that the environment before was a bit like the Wild West. I think this what this does is it just shifts the focus and makes sure that from a coaching point of view or from a, um, a playing point of view that you, you've also got one eye on the environment that you're creating as well. And, and we know uh, from all the sort of the data and the research that kids will come back if they're getting the right experience. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's right to say that it was a bit out of control previously, but what this does is it just helps us refocus on what's the, what's the important thing around junior footy and that's everyone getting out there, having a go and, and participating in the game. I'll probably go and watch the game again this weekend. So saying that, uh, E-Point's active during the home and away games. What about in finals? If all of a sudden a coach maybe gets a bit loud, a parent gets a bit loud, a player gets maybe a bit over-aggressive, can a side be penalised and in what way during a finals game? Yeah, really good question, Peter. And, and from a finals perspective, you're right, there is no E-Points on the table in those games. Uh, but what we do know is that if a, a player particularly or a coach is out of control or, or doing something or abusing an umpire that's, that's not in the spirit of the game, then red and yellow cards will be issued. Um, if you get a, a red card, then it, it pretty much means you're going to miss probably a week of footy at a minimum. Uh, and then from a yellow card, you're off for 15 minutes and you, you sort of cool the jets a little bit and then you get back out there after that. So... 
there are measures that we have in play for, for addressing the behaviour of particularly uh, players and coaches. Mm. Okay, and just generally before I let you go, Troy, it's been a, a pretty good season for community footy? Yeah, really good. I think the, the bounce back from a community footy point of view coming out of COVID has been really strong. Um, there's, there's really good numbers out there across most of our segments, which is which is really encouraging. And um, I think when you look at it, Peter, it comes down to the volunteers at the clubs. They, they do a tremendous job week in, week out. We've got about 45,000 volunteers across WA that sort of are involved in community footy. Um, and without them, I mean, they're the, they're the heartbeat of the game and, and they do a massive amount of work and uh, and every week they're out there, yeah, rain, hail, sun, and they're, they're getting kids out playing community footy, which is the really important thing. So um, the volunteers are, are massive and uh, they've played a really big role in, in getting junior footy to the extent that we need it to be. Good stuff. Thanks for joining us, Troy, and uh, shedding a bit of light for people like myself that weren't across when you go and watch a, a junior footy game, what is the protocol and why systems are put in place. Thanks for your time. No, any time, Peter. Thank you. Welcome back to an early drive with Peter Vlahos here on SENWA, wherever you may be listening, of course, on SEN Spirit 621 through Bunbury in the southwest, maybe in the goldfields where Norm from Kalgoorlie often listens in, SEN 1611. Also on DAB Plus Radio, Digital Radio and SEN Peel. Of course, in Perth on SEN Track 657 or on the SENWA app. Let's just have a look at some other sport that's been happening and focusing on AFL. As we know, a lot of attention happening on Saturday night here at Optus Stadium. Will they get to 60,000 to watch Fremantle take on the Western Bulldogs? As we know, Frio's first final since 2015. And one Blake Akers is very excited for the Dockers. He's playing his first ever finals game. Yeah, pretty nervous. Um, still trying to figure out the prep and all that, trying to keep it as uh, as the same as possible. Um, but yeah, just trying to enjoy the week and um, yeah, make sure I'm having a good time doing it. Oh, I think both teams are still going to bring the 100% effort and um, nothing changes for us really. Fifey's, you know, a massive part of our team and part of the club, so... Yeah, disappointing. He's missing. He's had a shocking run the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, we'll be putting our best foot forward for him and, and for Dave as well. Obviously, be his last game at Optus. So, um, yeah, we'll be trying to get the win. Interesting regarding Blake Akers, of course, playing his first ever final uh, with the Fremantle Dockers. And, of course, he's been part of the conjecture regarding the Luke Jackson trade. Of course, Luke Jackson for a number of weeks has been mooted that uh, verbally, apart from actually him coming out, that he's coming to Fremantle on a monster deal starting next year. But as Kim Hagdorn reported on the Drive program last night, and now it's sort of reverberating even in the East Coast on uh, the SEN Breakfast Show with Tim Watson and Gary Lyon, that Luke Jackson may consider staying at Melbourne for a short-term contract, maybe two years and then maybe look at coming over to the Fremantle Dockers. Sean Darcy, by the way, becomes a free agent in two years, and one wonders whether Sean Darcy will head back to Geelong or maybe Melbourne after becoming a free agent and finish his career in the East. So a lot of balls being tossed up in the air, but as Kim Hagdorn pointed out, Luke Jackson may be signing a two-year deal and extension there at the Melbourne Footy Club. But Blake Akers... Griffin Logue, we know that Rory Lobb is going to have a four-year deal 
at the Western Bulldogs because of personal reasons. His girlfriend and uh, her parents all live in Melbourne these days, hence why Rory Lobb wants to head back to Melbourne and looks like he's stitched up a four-year deal at the Western Bulldogs. But there is a number of Fremantle Dockers players supposedly going to be released to free up the uh, money required to secure Luke Jackson. But if Luke Jackson stays at Melbourne, where does it sit for players like Blake Akers? The other big story really in the last couple of days, and where it's coming from, we don't know. But the fact that Ross Lyon, the former Fremantle Dockers coach, has been linked possibly with the vacant coaching job at Essendon. On Footy Classified last night, he was queried about uh, the story that's going around footy circles at the moment. Did, did you hear from any Essendon players personally? No, who reported that? Uh, I think it was... I think it was Sam Edmonds. I think it was Sam Edmonds. Mm, yeah, look... Look, I'm not going to comment and get caught into the vortex. Um, no, no, no I didn't want to ask you about the noise job, around me, but yep. well, there's been a lot of generous words by by a lot of people I respect, like Lee Matthews and that. That's that's really nice. Chris Scott on Monday night. Chris Scott sitting there. Um, yeah, and he, he spoke to anyone that goes in needs to understand what, what support they get and really that due diligence piece. So it's been generous. I spoke last week. Uh, I'm, I'm very cautious. And what I'd say, have any of you guys ever been in the position where you you just can't really answer a question in a definitive a, a yes or no because that I would say you've experienced those situations and I'm sitting as a media commentator but it's a it's all swirling around and and that's where I sit it's 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 generous and but it's a bit confusing to be honest where I sit because I work at Wiesel Property Group full time I do my media and and I haven't spoken to anybody. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? But his name keeps bobbing up. I'm just wondering whether he's keeping all bases open, his property group portfolio, where he's making, I hear, financially uh, good returns, his media work, where he would be paid fairly handsomely for his services, and now the coaching job. Uh, again, he would be paid pretty handsomely for that. So uh, he's in a pretty good position, is Ross Lyon from a financial perspective. Craig McRae, as I know, is gearing up uh, to lead Collingwood as the coach into that qualifying final against Geelong. The twilight game on Saturday afternoon. And he was asked about Nick Dacos, of course, uh, took off the Rising Star Award. What a great addition he has been to Collingwood in his first season. Regarded by Craig McRae, almost a Ferrari. No, he's had a little bit of a sore back. Um, yeah, nothing untoward. Like it's, mm. it's, it's almost like put your Ferrari in the garage yes. and we'll just keep it keep it nice and nice and smooth. And we might even just give it a bit of a clean. You're ready for, for the weekend. <laughs> I love it. And that's why he's endured himself uh, to the lot of the Magpie Army, Craig McRae. Pretty down to earth. Has got a nice uh, turn of uh, comedic about him. And uh, that was a nice comment regarding Nick Dacos. The other big story away from footy, is the fact that Queenslander Cam Smith has signed for Live Golf. Reportedly, uh, a sign-on fee around $140 million. And this is why he decided to basically sign up with the Greg Norman Rebel Golf Group. Yes, it was a business decision as well. But, um, you know, like Mark said, there's there's so many positives to come out of this thing. Um, you know, for me, I haven't been back in, in Australia for, for three years as well. Um, you know, to spend more time at home, uh, you know, not miss it out on, you know, friends and families, weddings and, 
uh, that's going to be a part of my life that I can't wait to get back. My life has definitely changed over the last you know, couple of months um, after the British Open. I've had uh, a few phone calls with players. Um, I've sat down with Jay. Uh, we had a good conversation. Um, it, it has been a little bit different, but this for me um, was, was the right decision. Um, you know, I think this is the future of golf. I think um, it's been the same for a very, very long time and uh, it needs to be stirred up a little bit. OK, there you go, Cam Smith, who and the reasons why he's defected to live golf. He's got an exemption to the majors, but of course he won't be able to play any of the PGA Tour tournaments. And I suppose it's not that a big deal for him and the fact that Liver looking at playing a tournament in Australia, which also brings him back home for another period of time. And before we take a break, uh, just the other sport in the English Premier League overnight, uh, we had the following results. Arsenal 2, Aston Villa 1. So Steve Gerrard's tenure at Aston Villa becomes more tenuous with another defeat. Bournemouth, who were beaten 9-0 by Liverpool last weekend, of course, sacked manager Scott Parker on the back end of that enormous defeat. Uh, we returned home and drew nil-nil with Wolverhampton Wanderers last night. Manchester City put six past uh, newly promoted Nottingham Forest at home. West Ham and Tottenham drew one all in the London derby. And Liverpool defeated Newcastle by two goals to one, thanks to an 98th-minute winner. Gomez with the header. It's Salah. Can't bring it down. Real pinball in there. It is in. They got it with the last kick of the game. Carvalho turning one point into three. And Anfield erupts. Yeah, so Liverpool 2-1 winners over Newcastle. Newcastle certainly a, a far better team this season after all the injection of money by the Saudi-backed owners. We'll take a break. This is the Early Drive Show with Peter Vlahos. It's all thanks to Toolmart, the complete tool centre, where you get the right tool from the start. Back with more after these messages. Yes, the Early Drive Show with Peter Vlahos on this Thursday. Of course, AFL action tonight between Brisbane and also Richmond. You'll hear it live right through on the SEN network and certainly on the radio station you're listening to me on right now, whether it's in Perth, through the southwest, Goldfields, uh, in the Peel region on DAB Plus Radio or on the SENWA app. It's Brisbane against Richmond from 5 o'clock. But uh, there is a big game happening down in Mandurah on Sunday afternoon. In fact, just take note, gets underway at 10 minutes past midday and it is a mini elimination final for these clubs. Earlier in the week, I spoke to Jeff Valentine, the coach of the Peel Thunder Footy Club, and today we speak to Adam Pickering, uh, the coach of the Swan Districts uh, Footy Club. Adam, thanks for your time. No problem at all, Peter. Happy to be here, mate. What a, to you. what a game last week against West Perth. They've been, in many ways, the trendsetters of the WAFL competition this season. At one stage, and I, I haven't checked it, but they were top in the league, reserves, and also the Colts. It's been a powerful club this season, West Perth. And last week against the Falcons, it was a real heart-stopper for you. Yeah, yeah, they have been, mate. And they, just for your information, they still are top in all three grades. So it's um, they've had a great season as a footy club. Um, and, yeah, yeah it, was a, it was a great result for us. We, um, you know, Not many people 
thought we'd win. Um, in fact, my six-year-old son told me on Saturday morning that we'll probably lose <laughs> <laughs> as I woke up, um, which was a good start to the day. But look, the boys, um, boys were terrific. They uh, they stuck to the plan. They competed really hard, and um, and yeah, it just just showed you how much it meant to them to to give us a chance to extend our season again. So, yeah, great day for the footy club, actually. And also it was a great day last week because I gather you might have been inspired by the premiership teams of 82, 83 and 84 who were down there watching the match. Yeah, yeah it was. It was... Um, so we got to wear our, our retro jersey with no sponsors and, and names of our legends on the front um, and then floating around the rooms pre-game, um, some of those premiership heroes just sort of looking around the rooms to see if they'd changed too much. Um, got to meet some, some legends of our footy club. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a pretty good day. And then to, to add on to that, it was our past players' day as well. So the, the cam bar was full and upstairs was full. And um, it was great to get away with a win because uh, awards at, at 6 o'clock that night, it was chock-a-block and shoulder-to-shoulder. So, yeah, great day for the footy club. Mm. Before we talk more about the team and also a couple more questions about last weekend's dramatic win, you know, the young generation, Adam, you know about the history of the Swan Districts Footy Club because you're in a different uh, demographic, if we can term it that way. Do you try and embrace the history of the club with your playing squad that predominantly is fairly young? Yeah, we do. We absolutely do. We... Um I know at the start of the year uh, last year, it was a bit hard with COVID this year, but we got our, um, I guess, our local historian, Des Hardiman, who's on the board, to come in and, and go through our premiership eras to the group and just how they got got to where they were and uh, the type of players and type of coaches that were involved in those, um, those eras. Um, and then when we come up with these reunions, so like last year we had the 60s reunion and it's a big day against East Perth and we were lucky enough to get a win. We, we always try and educate the players on on what happened and how much it actually meant to, to not just the footy club but the, the town and the area. Um, and it was the same this year. Uh, just, just a little reminder, probably not as in-depth this year, but a little reminder to these guys that Days like that for our footy club where we celebrate our history and our, our premiership heroes are really important to, to people around the, the town and, and the footy club. So we do, we try and educate, we try and embrace and, and tell these guys that it could be them mm. in, in 20 years' time or 40 years' time. Um, and, you know, for a younger generation, these guys have, have really listened and, and tried to learn and embrace it and... It was it was good to see a few of our guys get to meet the player that wore that number in that era, um, and just have a yarn and and talk about their their time at Swan Districts. And most of them are, are still there week in week out, or not maybe not week in week out, but they're still floating around the club and have a, a real vested interest in how we're going. So, to answer your question, mate, that was probably long winded, but yeah, definitely. Mm. We, we try and embrace our history for sure. You need to win the last two games, starting with last week, uh, to have a chance of playing finals of football in the WAFL. And, of course, it is cutthroat down there in uh, at Peel Thunder this Sunday. Just regarding last week, at one stage, West Perth led by 16 points early in the second quarter. There was a low-scoring game. In the end, the final scoreline was 9-5 to 6-11. So you kicked nine goals for the game. But you kicked four goals in that final term to come from, in a low-scoring game, a fair way behind to snatch it. What was the reason for that? I was all part of the plan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, look, 
it was a bit of a breeze um, going to the scoreboard end, um, to the to the Guildford end, I guess. And we were lucky enough to only be a couple of goals down and um, kicking with the breeze in the last quarter. So that, that may have had a little bit to do with it. But I, to the nuts and bolts of it, mate, I think it was just the playing group that really dug in and, and felt like they were right in the game. And all we had to do was hit the scoreboard early and... And then the, the belief kicked in and the canvas got rolling and the, the grandstand got rolling and it, and it was a really, really good atmosphere. And, um, yeah, it, I don't think there was one, one thing that sort of got us over the line, more mm. just a collective that the stars aligned and, and our guys got on a bit of a roll and, and we were able to negate West Perth for that last quarter, really. And, mm. um, yeah, we were lucky enough to get away with the win. I know you got fired up in that last two. When Toby Watson got injured, the uh, play wasn't halted. And, of course, West Perth won possession of the ball. You are one man down on the field, and they went to the other end and scored a goal. Firstly, how is Toby? And what about that situation last week? You must have been furious that the ball, was, uh, the game wasn't pulled up. <laughs> were you in the box? Hey, I know you were furious. <laughs> I got my spies. Um, um, yeah, look, in the third quarter, it's... Um, yeah, Toby got, got concussed and um, he, he's okay now. He, he's, he's had a couple of days symptom-free and um, feeling a lot better. I know the first couple of days were pretty rough. He had a couple of headaches and a, a little bit nauseous. Um, but the last 48 hours have been pretty good for him. So uh, he'll go through his 12-day protocol that everyone goes through when they suffer concussion. So he'll miss this week. Um, but he should be right to go for the first week of the finals if we make it through. Uh, in regards to that situation, it's actually up to the umpire's call. So I know a few years ago the rule the rule was that the game would only stop if it was uh, a stretcher coming out on the ground, but I'm not sure when it ticked over, but now it's up to the umpire's discretion. So if they feel like a player's in danger or need, the game needs to stop, they can stop the game. Um, and it actually happened a couple of times earlier for West Perth where the, the game was stopped and the player was able to leave the field and there and be able to replace them. So they had 18 men on the field. And, and I just felt at the time, mate, that um, it was probably a good scenario where they could have stopped the game um, and let us get a, a, a player on to even it up. Because at the time, Toby was was not in a great, great way. He couldn't walk without any help. So we had two trainers carrying him off, basically, and the ball was coming down and <laughs> went straight past him mm. and they kicked the goal. So, mm. as you said, in a tight game and a low-scoring affair, every every sort of goal and score mattered. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was a bit frustrating at the time, but yeah. just like I tell my players, you make a mistake, you've got to move on, and you tried to move on, and lucky enough to get away with it. You won't know the exact makeup of the Peel Thunder footy club side until tonight, later today, when, of course, the AFL squad is... Uh, basically released. Uh, Lloyd Meek, of course, was dominant for Peel last week against Bailey Williams uh, in a, a great performance. And he may get called up to the AFL side this weekend. If he doesn't, he'll play for Peel. So it's a big ask of Matthew Jooms, who I believe played very well last week and is a key for Swans winning this match, you'd think, on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Lloyd's um, had a terrific year. He's, he's really developed into a... A very, very good footballer. Um, I remember when he first came on the scene, he was in and out of the, the seniors and reserves at Peel. Um, and they had so many tools. He's he's grown, he's filled out, he's um, developed his game, and he's having some dominant 
games um, in the waffle, especially, and, and holding his own when he goes up to AFL level. So you're right, he's he's going really well, and, and Jersey he will will have his um, uh, work cut out for him against him. He he did go pretty well against him last time, though. Um, from memory, he, he sort of held his own. It was oh, I can't remember what the hitouts were for. From, from last time, but I know he was he was pretty good. I think he had about forty on himself, and and Lloyd had just over forty. So it was a pretty good battle. Um, and and I, I'm really confident that Matt will be able to stand up and, and compete really hard. Um, I'm not sure one one guy will dominate the other. I think it'll be a really really good contest. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be a challenge for Matt, but it's, it's a challenge for all of us. Though. They might have fifteen or sixteen dockers rolling around who are full time professionals. Um, we've got blokes coming off the tools on a Saturday morning last week. Yeah, so yeah. it's going to be a challenge. But um, as we showed last week, we're up for it. So yeah. we're really, really excited about it. Interesting. As I let you go, Luke Beveridge, the coach of the Western Bulldogs, was asked about the the road trip to Perth and playing the Fremantle Dockers on their home patch uh, on Saturday night. And he says there's real belief in this uh, squad. This is Luke Beveridge. And that belief is sometimes very important. Is there real belief in your squad that you can go deep into the finals if you win on Sunday? Yeah, 100% there is, mate. We, um, uh, last week showed that, I think. Um, got back by 80-odd points against East Fremantle two weeks ago now. Um, very easy to turn up the next week and not, not put in an effort. Um, but these guys realised that was a bit of a blip on the radar. And they turned up with... With some real confidence and, and aggression and, and showed they can match it with the best in the comp and, and we've beaten every team in the competition bar East for Mantle. Um, so there is there's a genuine belief amongst our squad in, in both grades that you know if we're at our best uh, we'll challenge anyone and, and we can make a little run run at it. I mean this is an elimination final so our finals have started a couple of weeks earlier than everyone and, and we're ready for it. Good stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us, Adam. I'm looking forward to being down there and uh, calling the game with Steve Malaxis and Jimmy Williams for the SEN Network throughout Western Australia on uh, Sunday. 12-10, it gets underway. Good luck, mate. Look forward to seeing you down there on Sunday. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate the time, mate. Yeah, thanks, Adam Pickering. Should be a beauty. Look forward to having your company from uh, midday on Sunday for Peel Thunder against Swan Districts. That's it for the early drive with Peter Vlahos. All thanks to Toolmart, the Complete Tool Centre. Look forward to your company on Saturday morning between 9 and 11. Saturday with Peter Vlahos. Look forward to bringing you the full preview on the big AFL match between the Fremantle Dockers and the Western Bulldogs and also wrapping up basically the AFL final series to date. That's between 9 and 11 on Saturday morning on the SENWA Network. Look forward to your company then. Thanks, Jimmy, and thanks to Lee. Look forward to your company again, as I said, on Saturday. Have a great afternoon.